Ray, Ray Smiler, I mean, he, he was great. Uh, Dr. Smiler. Yeah. He, you know, he, he started, and, and even Dean Poland. So talking about just the things that, just growth, really. I mean, it, it was the opportunity for personal growth. Uh, and personal growth through, one, managing your own company, uh, and just the opportunity to lead people in a more more dynamic environment. I mean, I got to lead people in construction, but now I get to lead people and lead projects. And, and you know, not only does my livelihood rest on our success, but I now have that responsibility for others as well. And, and I, I like that responsibility. It, it can can keep you up at night some nights. I mean, I know you've, you've experienced that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just, I really enjoy what I'm doing. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this show and all of our other fabulous shows, you can go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. Click that podcast button, scroll down to this episode and other episodes where you can download all these, find out more information on our guests. And today, the great Clark Sykes. How you doing, my friend? Doing well, Jeremy. Appreciate the opportunity very much. Oh, yeah. So I start every one of these off with a very poor joke. Okay. All right. All right. You ready for this? We'll see. What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? I do not know. A sophisticated. <laughs> I, I need to know your source for those. No, 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 you don't. No, you don't. Because these are the world's worst jokes. And you showed up today with a gift. Well, got to bring something for a Marine. <laughs> right? Well, usually that's crayons. Yeah, you know? well, I, I figured you were probably full. Right. <laughs> so these are some awesome coasters with the United States Marine Corps emblem on it, the Eagle Globe and Anchor. I appreciate that. And actually, I'm heading back to Colorado tomorrow, so I'll take these up there. Excellent. I was hoping those would make a trip with you. Oh, yeah. You know, one of these days, you'll make a trip up there and uh, come see me up there. Maybe we'll even allow Peterson to <laughs> shag along, right? Yeah, we'll oh, see. yeah. Well, we got to have a punching dummy, right? There we we got to have somebody to make fun of. There we go. And, uh, you know, as you and I were just sitting here talking, is. uh you know, you got to give Peterson a hard time. And for the audience, he James has been on this show twice, once with because he's current president of Caltown Warriors and the other one, you know, just bringing him on as I hired him into the company. And and the guy, he can he can sell this is so this will really offend the audience. If a terrorist is in Guantanamo Bay getting waterboarded every day, James could sell them water. <laughs> it is amazing. It is just. It is just amazing with that. But, and that's how that's how you and I got connected. It is. Yeah. No. James did a great job. And and if he doesn't work out with you, let let me know because I'll hire him to sell floors. We're just going to stop the show now. <laughs> Don't you even pose that threat. Don't you even pose that yeah. threat. As much pain and misery as I've gotten him to get where he's at, and that guy can sell anything. He could sell a fly swatter to a fly. Yeah, he could. Right? He, he is. He is definitely a salesman. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. He is something else. So, and I know that I've been stressing him out here lately. But um, anyhow, so y'all got to know each other, and it is amazing how small this world is. Right? Definitely is. Y'all got to know each other uh, in the executive MBA program mm -hmm. at TCU. And uh, y'all were y'all were cohorts, right? Yeah. Uh, so first group we started out with it was 
James Peterson, Eric Martinez, another another Marine, and uh, William Adams and me. So I, I really we really felt sorry for William. Yeah, right off the bat, <laughs> two Marines and a Naval Academy guy. <laughs> Talking, talking trash back and forth constantly, and he just sort of looking at us like, do these guys like each other? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, and the thing is, is, look, Marines, we love the Navy. You give us a ride to go fight. I mean, <laughs> Navy's warfighting program is identify threat, send Marines, drink coffee. Maybe not in that order. But. <laughs> or just send the Marines. They'll go start something, right? Yeah. Or a limo port. And it, as it turns out, this is how small the world is, is one of my previous guests that I had on here, the very handsome Jamie Pease. <laughs> you and you both were at the Naval Academy together, we were, right? We were. We were classmates. So, yeah, he, he graduated at the different end of the class than I did. He was up at the higher end. I tell folks I graduated in the, uh, I think, top seven-eighths of the class, somewhere the around top there. Top seven-eighths? Hey, yeah. man. But you know what? Listen, as long as you're not last, you're good, right? Yeah. I don't know. Last made some money. Did they? So. <laughs> Well, and the funny thing is, is so Jamie, who's also a very, very close personal friend of mine, is he, he uh, whenever I said, I, well, remember we were at the investor meeting and I took yeah. a picture and I said, hey, I didn't know you knew this guy. And he was like, I love that guy. And I was like, oh, Jamie only likes like five humans. So you're the fifth because I know I'm not in the five, right? And so Naval Academy, TCU, executive MBA, where, where are you originally from? I'm from Fort Worth, so uh, my wife and I lived down in Tanglewood. We uh, we both grew up in the neighborhood. We lived between my parents and her parents. My sister and her family live about two blocks further away from us than my in-laws, so we're pretty close-knit. We hang out together. Where did you, you go to school? I went to Trinity Valley, so okay. uh, yeah. back at the old campus on McCart, K-12. through Oh, yeah. That's now, what is that? South, South Hills. South Hills. Yep. The Scorpions. A, right, the Scorpions, and that's a tough school now, man. Yeah, well, and it, it looks like I mean they're getting a whole lot of renovations right now, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, see how that goes. So you go to Trinity Valley, right? And then, so what possesses you to think about going to a service academy? I had always wanted to serve. You know, I knew my I knew both my granddads did during World War II. My my dad didn't. He he had been drafted in Vietnam and then blew out his knee before he left. Uh, but both my granddads served. Interesting story on that. So when my, when they were cleaning out my grandparents' house, my grandmother had moved down here into an assisted living facility. And uh, they're cleaning things out, and they just found this this piece of paper rolled up on an old paper towel roll. And so they they didn't really think anything of it, but they unrolled it. And it was my granddad's shellback certificate from World War II when he was going to the Solomon's Islands as a CB to help build landing strips on Guadalcanal. Wow. So, yeah, I, I, I got it. And, and then they had his discharge card, too. He was a... Oh, I want to say EM2, electrician's mate second class uh, during World War II. Had his discharge card. Had some little holes in it, but I got them all framed. And, uh, and now, for the audience, tell them what shellback means. I know. But well, yeah. Me. So, yeah, yeah. so shellback, and I never got it. So he he. Were, were you, well, you were uh, what a West, Westpac guy. I, I was. Uh, well, I was Gulf Coast of Texas for a while, which yeah. is the real Navy. Yeah. And then, <laughs> no. And then, <laughs> and then no. Then I went over to uh, to San Diego, and, and then it went Westpac was uh, yeah. forward deployed to uh, Japan yeah. Yeah. for a while. But uh, shellback is when you cross the equator. So uh, anytime you cross the equator, you get to get indoctrinated into the uh, shellback community. And uh, I, I never made it. We were on our way down there, and then uh, some stuff started happening up in another part of the world. So we got rerouted. Yeah, yeah. So and then so so you get into the Naval Academy. What was that process like? You know, it was it was it was challenging. Um, 
I looked really good on paper, so I fooled <laughs> a lot of people. Um, but uh, no, I you know, I did the interview process with with it was Congressman Garen at the time. So Pete Garen's office originally in, interviewed me, and then he didn't run again, and Kay Granger's office kept his nominees and put me up as a nomination as their nom one of their nominations for the Naval Academy the year that I went in. So got that process done. Actually got denied entry to the Naval Academy at first because they said my eyesight was too bad. I looked at it. I was disappointed, but I looked at it and realized that they made a, a math mistake. And oddly enough, the Naval Academy made a math error. Hmm. And uh, so uh, Congresswoman Granger's office sent them a note saying, hey, we think you made a mistake. They said, we did. You're welcome to attend. So that was in 97. And so found out I think it was the the first day of spring break in 97 that I was going to get to go to the Naval Academy. So went up there July 1st of 1997 and then life happened. Yeah. So how how many how, how many new uh midshipmen come in? Right around 1200. 1200. Uh, at least when I went in it was about 1200 yeah. per class. Yeah. Starting and I think we graduated with uh 900 uh, 960 something. What so what tell me about the attrition rate. What's that about? You know, it's really the first two years is when most of the attrition happens. Just people who realize that it's not for them. Mm-hmm. That's You have to go for the right reason. You, you can't go for somebody else. You have to go for yourself. If you're going for anybody else or because you want to make somebody else happy, you're not going to be happy. And you're not going to enjoy it. But the, friend, the friends I made are, are lifelong friends. I mean, we, we, don't, we don't see each other often. But when we do, it's like we were never apart. Wow, and 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 quick aside, and and uh, not to be too somber, but a classmate of mine uh, unfortunately lost his life days ago mm. on December seventh. He was a commanding officer of SEAL Team Eight. And they were doing a fast roping exercise. Brian Bourgeois, great great guy. Uh, he and I served together down in Ingleside. He went surface warfare uh, before he went spec war. And then he went went spec war. Was commanding officer of SEAL Team Eight and leaves behind a wife and five five children. So. Sad, sad day for us. Uh, he's going to be honored at the Army-Navy game this Saturday. As and, he should be. And, uh, yeah, so. Man, so he wanted to take being retarded to the next level and being like, <laughs> that's what I always tell people, like, before we're going, man, my, my kid's thinking about going into, the, you know, the spec ops community. And I'm like, why? Because yeah. <laughs> it always sucks. <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah, he, he did the surface warfare thing down in Ingleside, which is Mikhail's Navy. or It's closed now. I mean, it was so, so <laughs> Bass backwards that they had to close the base. <laughs> but yeah, we, we were down there together uh, and uh, then he moved on and yeah. did bigger and better things. So, you know, in, in, in the Naval Academy, like Jamie took the Marine Corps route, right? right. So but when when does that happen in the in the Academy? I, boy, if I remember, I, I always pretty much knew I was going to go surface warfare. So I never really did a whole lot of soul searching on that. Yeah. Um, really... You do things over the summers to to sort of figure out what you like. Uh, I knew I couldn't fly because of the eyesight thing, and then didn't didn't really want to go the Marine Corps route. <laughs> we'll, we'll, just, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, more sense. <laughs> and, and, and submarines, I wasn't going to get on a submarine. And, and like I said, I didn't graduate high enough in the class to qualify for nuclear power school anyway. Yeah. But uh, you know, uh, I I really think junior year you really start to to lock it in and you figure out what you're going to do, and then. Uh, in your senior year, you start to figure out where you're going to go. Okay. So, like senior year, I got to pick ship I wanted to go on, where I wanted to be stationed. Okay, what ship did you? USS Robin, MHC fifty four, the mine hunter. So I I did that one. It was in in Texas, so I thought 
oh, that's close to home. Well, Ingleside's not close to home, but, right. <laughs> and, and I wasn't ever there. But uh, then we, man, I, I was the junior instant on board, and our so I graduated May twenty fifth, two thousand one. September eleventh happened shortly after that. So so things changed in what our goals were going to be and and what our op tempo was going to be. Even even for swos like mm-hmm. me, I mean the Marines clearly ramped up. Yeah. Um, but for surface warfare guys, we all we were up in Rhode Island, or I was up in Rhode Island at the time, going to surface warfare officer school. Then went down to Ingleside, got on my ship there. Um, we we quote unquote deployed up and down the East Coast to clear mine routes in and out of major ports because everybody was concerned that that was next. Yeah. That, that mines could be a problem. Um, but so you know, deployed up and down. We we'll really just went up the East Coast at that point. Um, so how do you how do you switch? I mean, I know there's certain things you can't talk about naturally naturally because of the confidential nature of the military, but. Kind of for the audience, I mean, how do you sweep for mines? Like, well, so minesweeper is is passive. So that's where you're dragging some things behind you to try and set them off. I was on a mine hunter, so that's an active pursuit. So you have a sonar that would drop through the hole. And again, they're no longer in the Navy. They they were a, an interesting class of ship. They were made out of glass-reinforced plastic. So, you know, a lot of people you hear when a ship is decommissioned, they, they get melted down into razor blades. I like to say ours, ours got melted down into Rubik's Cubes because... <laughs> Because we couldn't make razor blades out of the plastic, yeah. but uh, you know they, uh, we would drop the uh, drop the sonar down through the center of the hull. We'd drive these routes where we thought there potentially could be mines, and it was a, it was interesting to to see what you would find on the the seabed out to sea. I mean, we found toilets, we found what? cars, just in out, the middle of the sea, just in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, off wow. the Gulf of Mex, off the coast of uh, Texas in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. Down off uh, the East Coast, off various ports. I mean, it was it was an interesting time. It was a small ship, uh, small crew, so a lot of responsibility. So, were y'all part of carrier groups? No, we 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 maxed out at maybe maybe ten knots. Oh wow! So yeah, no, we we Slow were and low, huh? Yeah, we yeah. we were not. Well, explain that to the audience. So, like, I I know what a knot is, but we're, yeah, we're, so like, so a nautical mile per hour. So yeah. there are two thousand yards in a nautical mile. So knots are like miles per hour, but little bit little bit different so 10 knots maybe about 12 to 15 miles an hour somewhere in there okay. wow. so not fast not fast right no. so and then uh did you ever get a chance to find uh we found a lot of dummy ones a lot of dummy no, ones we oh. never uh there there are ranges oh, out there so yeah, yeah no yeah, we we yeah. never found anything that was actually threatening I, yeah. I know some guys who went over to the middle east and and at least found the stuff that they Thought was threatening. Yeah, I mean, every every ship can be a minesweeper once. Right, 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 <laughs> right. <laughs> Until you find it, yeah, and then yeah. boom. <laughs> Samuel B. Roberts and USS Princeton both hit hit mines at some point. Oh wow, yeah, wow. I can't remember the years on those, but wow, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. So, how many years do you do in the Navy? So six years. I, I graduated in May of two thousand one, and I got out. So just under six years, actually. I got out. Is the commitment four or six years? We need it's five years. It's five years. Okay. So okay. I, I just did a little bit over okay. my minimum commitment. And, you know, I I, I initially was commissioned thinking it was going to be a, a career. And I would have hit 20 years in, in May, this past May, had I stayed in. But I moved eight times in six years. Didn't really like, and I mean, full household goods moved. So yeah. I, I bounced all over the country. And it was it was time for me to 
this is this Settle is this down. is going to totally date me. If I was still in the military, I would have hit thirty years today, well, or, or thirty years. Yeah, thirty. Thirty. Not necessarily today, but I'd be yeah. at thirty years. I'd be over thirty. I, yeah. I would. I would. But the Marine Corps wasn't going to keep me that long. They well, were like, I was a pain in the ass. You think you, like, yeah. you think you could have made it to Kaz's level? Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He and I talk about that all the time, yeah. right? Is because you know I was like, man, you know, because Marsoc went around, yeah, you know, during my time, right? And and you know, and that didn't happen. So for the audience, Marsoc is so you got you've got recon in the Marine Corps, right? right. And and prior to. The events that happened on 9-11, Marine generals always fought to keep us out of the SOCOM community because they always wanted us to only be under um, Marines' control, right? Right. And so then you then after 9-11, when they came up with MARSOC, right, or the Raider Battalions, which, you know, at some point you have to because a lot of money over there. And, right. you know, and you get all the cool toys when you're yep. over there is, yeah. And I tell them, I was like, man, you know, because... Marsoc didn't come around till after I had been out about ten years, I think. So I got out. I got out. I got. See, I went in ninety one. I got out ninety seven, and then I did a year in the reserves. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm done doing all this. And then, so, so yeah. So it was like ten years afterwards. I think it was two thousand seven when it came out. Oh, I didn't even know. It was, yeah. I didn't even know it was that late. I mean, yeah, I, it was. Yeah, it was. It was well a couple. Of, well, I know they started off with. Uh, I can't remember what they called it. Debt one or debt five. Okay. So basically, they just basically came and took, you know, force recon marines and said, okay, guess what? You know, today you're a force recon marine. Tomorrow you're a Marsoc marine, right? And then so they stood up the unit. So Cas being an, an original plank holder, you know, over there was you know, and Jamie as well, okay. right? And, and, yeah. When they were like, okay, you guys are going to be Marsoc Marines. They're like, well, what are we going to go do? And you're like, figure it out. Like, it's probably the coolest time yeah. you could ever do that because it was like, well, I guess we're going to figure it out as we go, right? Yeah. You know, so now the processes are done much, much different. And, but yeah, I, can't, I, I tell them all the time, it's like, man, you know, I felt like I missed the, I, I missed the good concert, you know, yeah. you know, because <laughs> if I would just, and he was like, yeah, but you would have to stick around for another 10 years, you know, yeah. and I was like, then you'd have been hit retirement right, right at that time. you know, <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah, and because uh, I would have, uh, I would have retired in two thousand. I would have retired in two thousand eleven with twenty. If twenty twenty one would have given me thirty years, you know. But you know, that's the thing is, um, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda is not by design who I really am. Right. right. I, it was more FOMO than anything, yeah. right? You know, yeah. because because I knew all the players, right? I didn't get to play with the fun yeah, toys. Yeah. That's, so that's so really a lot of, lot of the players, you know, that were over there were, were, were in during my time, right? Yeah. And and so, but, uh, uh, so, and it's really, really funny, you know, because like even when Kaz and I are sitting there uh, talking, it's getting harder and harder now because I've been out so incredibly long that most of anybody I was in with is, I mean, yeah, they're, they're 30 years. Nobody's very yeah. few people make full 30 years, right? But we'll be sitting there talking and he'll bring up a name and I'll, oh, yeah, that's, you know, so and funny. so. Or yeah. he'll call me and be like, yeah, because he was, uh, he was at a, he was at something. I don't remember. And he, he calls me and he goes, hey, do you remember so and so? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, dude, I'm literally sitting here and I brought you up in conversation. He was like, oh, I remember that idiot. You know? <laughs> and so it was just, it was just kind of funny how small the world really is. Yeah. And, you know, but now, you know, I don't, I, you know. It's, well, especially in a small yeah. community like that. I mean, yeah. surface warfare officers were a dime a dozen. Yeah. So, I mean, getting to know every surface warfare officer isn't going to happen. But in the, yeah. in the smaller communities, like, like 
recon or special forces or things like that. Yeah. 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 You're going to cross paths with with, with people. That you, yeah, yeah. You, you, it's going to you know. Now the only way I would probably recognize somebody is if they were you know it's post retirement time and you come across somebody or or uh, or or funny enough. So when I was with the PD and after 9/11 happened, um, they were reinforcing uh, DFW Airport with police departments all around for doing yeah. off duty jobs. And I was sitting there working on – I was at a terminal. I, my, my job was – they were just forming the TSA. And okay. my job was basically staying around in uniform, right? Yeah. And Yeah. And and I don't remember what terminal or where, where this was at at DFW. I mean, this was, you know, again, 20 years ago. But the terminal behind me, you know, so I'm looking and I'm seeing the people get off the plane. And I kind of double take and I look at a guy and I'm like, yeah, that guy looks familiar. Of course, at this point, I've been out. So 2001, I'd been out. You know, several years, right? Yeah. So the guy walks by and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him. And then he walks back by and I was like, hey, are, are you in the military? Or were you in the military? And he goes, well, I'm in the Army. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. It, man, you look like just like somebody I served with in the Marines. And he goes, I was in the Marines. And then we started yeah. talking and, and it was like, you know, we, we yeah. were in the same unit, but not on the same team. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it was like. Man, I thought that was you, yeah. right? And well, just why did you and switch he had to the never army? been in Texas. <laughs> yeah. He was there on a forty-five minute layover to catch another flight. Unbelievable. That just and he was like, "Yeah," he goes, "I'm on my way home," and flight connected through DFW. Just small, yeah, smallest world. There was just very, but very cool, you know. And I wish, you know, and thinking back on, it, I wish I would have grabbed his phone number and all that and been like, "Hey, man, what's up? You know, how are you doing?" Blah blah. blah. Something similar happened to me. A guy I served with on USS Lassen was. Flying through DFW, I was getting ready to fly somewhere and just bumped into each other and caught up for five, ten minutes. And yeah. yeah. You just and you just sit there and it's just it's 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 a crazy small, small world. Like even with Jamie Pease, right? Yeah. You know, I meet you through Peterson, right? You know, and I know Peterson because Sean Carr introduced me to Peterson and then I suckered Peterson into working on Caltown Warriors. And then after I got Sean to go do the executive MBA program. Then I suckered James into going and doing it. Yeah. With the total intention is this is I was like I was like if I can get an MBA on this guy I'm gonna hire him. That's perfect. Yeah. Because yeah. this guy could just sell anything to yeah. anybody, right? And he is a real card, right? He is just a real Hell card, yeah. right? And then and it literally like when he was graduating this last y'all graduated February, right? Or y'all uh, finished February, but graduation uh, not till December, yeah. right? Well, May. No, we graduated in May. May, May, but y'all finished in February, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so anyhow, he and another Marine Corps buddy of mine had come up to Colorado and, uh, um, you know, and he, he had told me, you know, because he was in, you know, commercial insurance and he just knew that he, he was just not happy. He hadn't been happy for a long time. He was with his third insurance company. And sooner or later, you're just like, man, it doesn't matter how many dresses you try on. If the dress doesn't fit, the dress doesn't fit, right? Well, it's such a long sales cycle oh, and all that other stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, God, this guy is just so talented. So, uh so then, you know, I was, I'd flown back to Fort Worth, here in Fort Worth from Colorado. I was in a bunch of meetings. And it's really funny. As, and I had this happen to me this week. Is all these guys, you know, because I always bum rides off of them. Because most of the time I don't have a vehicle here. Yeah. They were like, you have more money and you know what to do with. Why don't you just buy another vehicle for here? And I was like, why can I do that when I just bum a ride off you? You yeah. know, and I was like, because I keep all my vehicles yeah. up in Colorado. Right? Yeah, my, my Uber payment is less than right. a truck I payment. Was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I was like, I just Uber everywhere. And if not, I'll just get you to give me your. So I'd call James and I said, hey, come by the house. I'll show you something. And he comes over and he shows me something. 
And uh, and I was like, uh, hey, so are you going back downtown? And he goes, yeah. And I said, cool. I said, give me a ride. He goes, you really you came get, have me come over because you wanted a ride. <laughs> he goes, you're such a pain in the ass. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then, so um, anyhow, he was sitting here. And I mean, at this point, he is just as miserable as miserable can be. And he was giving me a ride at Fort Worth Club. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I, I, I think I'm going to punch out of insurance, but I don't know what I want to go do. Because the, the MBA program, right, and, and we're going to get into this, is you, when you go through TCU's executive MBA program, one of a couple of things is going to happen. Either you're there to check the box, you can say I got an MBA and you're going to keep going on with your company, or you're like, yep, my path is to keep ascending up, whether with this company or a similar company. Yeah. Or you just realize, like James did, I did, and you did, it's just like, I'm just not in the industry that I'm supposed to be in, yeah. and it unlocks that. So I knew that was with James's. Basically, it was true. Going to that program was true serum for him, right? Mm-hmm. To have to sit there and face, I'm not an insurance guy. So he's sitting here telling me, and you know, and Laura and I had already been talking about this for a yeah. while with him, is because uh, like we make jokes of it, but this dude could literally sell snow. To an Eskimo, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy, oh, crazy, crazy. And, uh, so he's and he has an uncanny ability to figure out what your oh, yeah. pressure points are oh, and, yeah. and where where he needs to steer the conversation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's the most manipulating somebody you ever made in your life. <laughs> I was and, trying uh, to say it uh, nicer. Uh, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call it what it is. So yeah. anyhow, he, so he's giving me writing. He's just like, I'm pretty certain. Because I think it was the following week he was supposed to have a meeting with Michael and one of the other higher ups or something like that. And he goes, I think I'm going to be telling them that I just don't want to do this anymore. And I said, huh. I was like, well, you want a job? And he was like, yeah, well, I'm going to need one. Where do you want? And I was like, come work with me, man. And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, that's why I kind of talked to you and go on the program is eventually I knew I wanted to steal you. Yeah, well, so I'm sure if Michael Moore's listening to this, he's like, you son of a bitch, you had it pre-planned the whole time. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but in, 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 in James's defense, he didn't even know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then so – he was like, yeah, and he had his meeting the next week and, you know, which kind of threw them off. And he just goes, man, it's just, it, it, I'm not leaving to go to another, this is my third insurance company. It's yeah. just, I'm not happy. Yeah, it's not the right, not the right not, fit. I'm not the right yeah. fit. And then, so it was kind of funny is after he had that meeting, I uh, uh, I called James and I said, hey, I'm going to buy you a plane ticket. Come up here and see me in Colorado. And Michael Moore had even told him, he goes, he ain't flying you up to go skiing. Yeah. He's going to, he, that's a recruiting trip. Yeah. You're getting right? a hard sell now. Yeah. yeah. And then, so I flew him up for about 10 days. Oh, yeah. He kept and, sending us pictures of how awesome a time he was having. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, here's, you know, in, in my defense, my life does not suck. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then I just said, yeah. And we spent the next 10 days going over, like, hey, this is what this is going to do. This is how it's going to yeah. work. And then, you know, fast forward now, here it is. We're in December and, that guy's made more, and he'll be the first to tell you, he's like, I've made more money in the last 90 days in, than I've ever made in a single year in my life, right? Yeah, which because is awesome. Because you put somebody where they're supposed to be yeah, and where they're happy, and they're going to succeed, yeah. right? Because how many people, like even when you did your program, how many people were in your program that you were like, oh, they just look like they're living in misery every day? Oh yeah, th- there were there were a number of them, and I mean, some of them even realized that halfway through the program, and made the switch halfway through the program. I mean, mentioned Eric Martinez, he realized it halfway through the program, and he he made a move during the program. So yeah, we we had that happening. We either had people that changed companies. So over half of our class was what was it? It was like half of our class within twelve months after graduation, either during or or after, 
were either not at the same company or, and I think it was like 20% of us completely made different industry changes. Right. Yeah. So this happens to you. So you get out of the Navy. What do you do after the Navy? So after the Navy, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do and interviewed with Lindbeck Construction. And do you know Grant, Grant Jordan over there? Uh, yes. Why do I know Grant Jordan? He's what? an attorney, but he, I think he was over at Lindbeck. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's good, right. Super I, good I, friend I, of mine. His brother's one of my closest. Yeah, his, no. friend, his brother's the CFO of Grapevine. So, yeah, Grant yeah, and I didn't yeah. didn't uh, really cross paths while we were there. He was there for a while. He left. And then he – I'm trying to remember he who he went back, back yeah, but he, then he, went somewhere else. Has I he mean, gone somewhere yeah. else since then? Th- maybe. I have He came back. And, yeah. Well, he went to the city of Fort Worth for a while. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. And, and that's then he right. went back that's to right. Lindbeck and was yeah. a client executive there. And yeah. I, I don't know if he's still there or not. But, yeah, he and I, uh, we, we were not at Lindbeck together. Yeah. But Paths have crossed, right. But paths have crossed. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so you go to Lindbeck. Yep. Did yep. that for, I want to say, eight or nine years. What were you doing there? I did a little bit of everything. So I had to learn the industry. So I started off as project engineer. So just doing the grunt work, day-to-day construction management type stuff, uh, grew into doing the financial side, some project management, pre-construction management, and some business development while I was there. I did some really awesome projects, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Worked on the Fort Worth Museum of Science and History, Crystal Bridges Museum up in Arkansas, uh, Cook Children's, which was awesome because I, when I was a kid, I was a resident at Cook twice. One once with uh, osteomyelitis in my hip. What's that? It's a bacteria that gets into your bone and starts to eat the bone. But got to spend a week there with that, and then uh, broke my arm really bad and got to spend a week there while yeah, that right. got, got <laughs> fixed. So yeah, working at Cook was was amazing. Yeah. It's a great organization, and uh, it's really special to have them in Fort Worth. Yeah. And then I decided I'd make a move and try the development side of things. So went to Trademark Property Company and uh, did three years there. Learned learned a lot. Uh, but realized it probably wasn't wasn't the fit for me uh, on the retail development side, and so went to Sadalco Construction, and that's that's who I was with when I started the program. What made you start the program? I felt stagnant, um, which tell made, me more about that. What do you mean? So by that? Uh, I felt like I I had the the knowledge of business and how business should run, and and just really wanted to find out more about the nitty-gritty of it. So learn the financial side. I mean, I have a political science degree from the Naval Academy. Focusing on finance is not one of their prime prime motives in educating us right. <laughs> there. So I wanted to learn the finance side, wanted to learn, I mean, even the, nego- the negotiation side. So having a, an actual class on negotiations was was incredible because it helped me see some of the flaws I'd had and how I was negotiating with people you know, trying to use a hammer rather than making it two-sided. Um, and really, I, I'd, I'd wanted to do it. So this was the the third time I'd started to do the program. I'd started to do it back in like 2010 or 11. Then I thought about it again in 2014. And finally, I just realized I need to do it now for me. And, you know, ancillary benefit was it was going to help me professionally at the time, my plan was to stay with Sadalco. They're a, they're a great firm, great culture, people I really enjoyed working with. But towards the end of the program, I realized, you know, it well, and really, I think the pandemic probably helped push me in that direction a little bit more as well. Tell me, tell me why. Tell, uh, walk, walk me through that. So, right? so it just gave me the opportunity to be a little bit more reflective on 
what I would be, you know, regrets I might have if I didn't do something with the opportunity at the time. Um, and I've, my, my granddad, uh, on my mom's side had her own, or excuse me, had his own business. He was a, an electrical contractor up in Oklahoma city. My granddad on my dad's side had his own business. Now I never knew him when he had a business, but he owned a lumber yard here in Fort Worth. Chickasaw Lumber used to be over on Bickery. Now it's a freeway. And then my dad started his own law firm. So uh, there's a history of entrepreneurship in, in the, in the in, family. In the blood, right? Yeah. And, and I just realized, you know, if I don't do this, and w- one, if I, if I spend all the time and money I spend on TCU just to keep doing the same thing upon graduation, I may not resent or regret or may not resent the fact that I didn't do it, but I will regret the fact that I didn't do it. Or at least give it a shot. So, at least take a couple swings at it. Yeah. And you know, my goal. I, I, I bought the flooring franchise. You're familiar with what we do. Yeah. Well, well and, why, 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 could you mention something before that we started the yeah. show? Is there was a particular class that you got to, and you said light bulb went off. Oh, Smiler's class. Yeah. 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 So Ray Ray Smiler. I mean, he he was great, Doctor Smiler. Yeah. He. You know, he, he started and, – and even Dean Poland. So talking about just the things that – just growth really. I mean it, it was the opportunity for personal growth uh, and personal growth through one, managing your own company uh, and just the opportunity to lead people in a more more dynamic environment. Um, I mean I got to lead people in construction but now I get to lead people and lead projects and – and, you know, not only does my livelihood rest on our success, but I now have that responsibility for others as well. And, and I, I like that responsibility. It, it can, can keep you up at night some nights. I mean, I know you've, <laughs> you've experienced that. But, you know, I, I just – I really enjoy what I'm doing. Now, there are, there are days – I mean, there's a curve that they give us in our – our franchise org gives us, and it shows this curve like this, and it's – unfettered optimism on yeah. the way up and then you're at the peak there and then it shows the downward curve. I don't remember what it has at the bottom, but, mm. but, and they say, you will experience this throughout your, your, your growth as a business owner. Should I be experiencing it multi, multiple times daily? <laughs> Cause you know, I'll, I'll go into a house, I'll, I'll make a sale. I'm excited. I'll go back to the office, say, you made a sale. We've already spent that money. Yeah. Crap. I got to go do another one. So, right. Right. so yeah, that, that curve is, uh, during the startup process, probably a little bit faster than uh, than it would be otherwise. But so, it, how far were you in the program when you decided to buy this franchise? Uh, it was August, the August before graduation was wh- when I really made the decision. I didn't didn't really pull the trigger until October, but yeah, August was uh, so just basically a little over a year ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. been it's been a it's been a fast moving year, but it seemed a lot longer, right? It does, yeah. And, and we, I, I promised my wife I would not open the business until I was done with classes, and the franchisor agreed to let me go ahead and pay the franchise. They they, they were like, yeah, we'll take yeah, your money. Yeah, we'll wait, take right? your money. <laughs> but they they agreed to wait on me, which was nice because there were other people looking at the territory yeah. that I ended up buying, yeah. but they wanted to wait for me uh, to be in the territory, which was which was nice of them to do. And so I opened in April, and it just been. Blowing and going, going, going like mad. So, sense. what made you choose? Well, first, you know, because I want to, I want to peel the layers behind this off because I think it's really interesting for for content for the audiences. One, what made you choose 
a franchise? Did you know you were going to choose a franchise? And then if you, when you did choose a franchise, did you have any remote idea that it would be doing what you're doing now? No. So it's interesting. I was on a, uh, I was on a call, Surface Academy Business Masterminds, I believe. Scott, uh, Scott Mackis is one of my classmates and he runs it. Um, and they had a franchise broker on there and he was talking about franchise brokerage. And then I ended up meeting another franchise broker and I ended up going through her, but I had, you know, I, I had all the, the terrible thoughts of franchises or, you know, the anecdotes you hear about how franchising, you know, you're just giving away money and all this, uh, this other stuff. So I, I did not really think that I would go the franchise route at all, but I had been thinking, so I guess back up a little bit. So the summer before I ended up doing this, I had been thinking about flooring companies. I was running, I was helping, I ran business development for Sodalco, but I was also helping out in the pre-construction side on bid days and I was taking all the flooring bids. So I was doing takeoffs on floors. I was calling all the flooring companies, getting their bids and all, all that kind of stuff. And I started thinking, well, you know, if, if these guys can do this, why couldn't I? So I'd actually been thinking about a flooring business, trying to find one to buy or starting one from scratch. And the franchise broker I ended up working with didn't know that when I did the interview with her. So I interviewed with her and talked to her about what my goals were with a business. And she started looking at service, home service-based industries. What were, so, what were your goals? What were some of your goals? You know, financial independence. Um, and, and really, she focused on my strengths, which was customer, customer service and client satisfaction, which are two of my... The driving fact, they're sort of what drive my business today is deliver what I promise, which I think is crucial to a successful business, and and my reputation and my business reputation should drive a referral, the referral side of the business. I mean, that's the only reason I think that we've had the relationship we have is because James was willing to vouch for me, and it was it was it was personality based, and the fact that you know. If I screw something up in one of your houses, I'm going to go in there and fix it. Yeah. I'm not going to say, well, sorry, this is where the contract ends and go fix it. But so some of that came out in the interview process when I was talking to her. And so she placed or didn't place me, but she introduced me to three different businesses. One was a trash hauling business. One was a pool cleaning business. And then she had no idea I was interested in flooring, but the third one was this flooring business. And so I started talking to all three of them and, and this one just just clicked. And, you know, looking at it and going back to one of your earlier questions was why a franchise? I started looking at startup costs, relationships <laughs> that you have to build with yeah. the, the vendors and things like this. And, I mean, this was, this was baked. I mean, that, that, that's what was really nice about it is all the relationships with the vendors, I didn't have to establish those. I just had to establish an account with them. Our, our head of merchandising has, has – and, and all our other franchisees – so there are over 150 franchisees in the Floor Coverings International family. And uh, so all those franchisees have helped develop the buying power and the relationships that we need with the major flooring companies out there, major vendors. So I had those relationships in place before I even started, which was nice. I mean, if I was doing this as a one-man one man show, I'd call, call one of the major flooring companies say, hey – Clark Sykes. I've got Sykes floors and I need X number of square feet of this for this project. 
all right, we'll get to you. But having having the hey, this is Clark Sykes with Floor Coverings International. Now I have an, a national account rep, a local account rep, and and it helps smooth the process. So it's been important for me from a startup perspective to have have that network really. Again, everything in my opinion with business goes back to network. Whether it's the TCU network that I now have. Your the Naval, network is your net worth. Yeah, and it's it's unbelievable how my Naval Academy network, I mean, Service Academy in general network, I mean, meet with guys all the time. I know Alberto Reyes is with uh, Briggs Freeman as well. And I mean, I talk to Alberto all the time. I mean, just, and just growing that network is is critical. Well, by buying into this franchise, I had that network. We now have 13, 13 or 14 franchisees in the DFW marketplace. We've formed a co-op. Now we have our own ability to increase our merchandising negotiation platform. We can go out and say, hey, there are 13 of us in this area. We're now not, we're not 13, one to $2 million businesses. We're a $13 million business now buying together. So Mm. that carries significantly more clout than if I was Sykes Floor saying, hey, can I swing by? Yeah, whatever. Mm, yeah, uh, but it's been uh, it's been fun. Now, when I started this business, I started with the intent of this is a stepping stone. This is a starting point. So start with this, and then grow into other. Whether it's home services, construction services, haven't really ironed that out yet. But the, the plan is for this to be one of many going forward. So so what now? This this. This is a a good question is, so you started a year after the pandemic. Yes. Right? Worst forecast of anything in the history of ever and ever, and you're like, screw it. I'm going to go do a startup. <laughs> well, well so, so I got lucky and I could predict the future, and, uh, <laughs> and Snowmageddon came right about the time I was getting ready to start. Right. Yeah. So right. actually, flooring demand had, had been on the, on the uptick. And really, looking at the housing market in the DFW area, and I mean, yeah. you know this as oh, yeah. well as anybody, the growth and the people moving into this area – it it wasn't it showed no signs of slowing down. Right. So with the number of people moving in, and right now I'm doing mostly remodels. But my goal, and I mean, you've introduced me to to Dustin. Uh, yep. So because you're going to do the floors on our other house that we're building right now. That's that's yeah. that's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Uh, so you've introduced me to Dustin. My goal is to get in with contractors, both on the commercial and the and the residential side, and start to grow my ability to to serve them. Now, some of some of that's where the franchise model could hurt a little bit because I do have to pay the franchisor. Right. So, I mean, there, there are pros and cons, obviously, yeah. but, uh, but. And is that a lifetime payment? It is through, through the, throughout the, our relationship. So if, if you scaled your business and decided to sell it, does the person that buys it also have to they do. buy the franchise Yeah, they, they, they sign the franchise agreement. Okay. Gotcha. So, gotcha. gotcha. Which. Again, hey, if it, it's kicking off enough money, who cares, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So so you decided to do this. Have have Because of the pandemic, we've seen just ridiculous supply chain disruptions. Yes, we have. Yeah. How has that affected you? Uh, you know, the, the, the one house it affected me the most on, I was really lucky because I knew that this group, this customer wasn't going to fire me. It was my parents. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so we, or, or if you get fired by your parents, man, oh, like yeah, you've, yeah, you've yeah, taken yeah, it yeah, to just that next I, level. I, I might as well call the franchise and say, hey, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so, no, I – uh, th- that was the longest the longest lead item I've had was was my was my parents' house and I oh I want to say we closed that deal closed the deal I closed the deal yeah. with my parents no I I ordered the material oh probably March or April and didn't get it until late June early July yeah and so I mean it was and we put it in in August so it was. A little bit longer lead time there, but again, had a had a sympathetic uh, sympathetic yeah. client on that one. And you know what, I just have to tell tell my customers, and and now with another sales associate coming on, we we just communicate. I mean, really, we had one customer who's extremely happy. We installed her floors this this week, but we had originally anticipated installing them probably early to mid November. Then it got pushed to late December. Was that because of the supply chain? Because of supply chain, just yeah. because of the material material shortage. A lot of our products are manufactured overseas. Some in China now. Uh, a lot of the flooring is being manufactured in Vietnam. So that that's helped speed up the supply chain a little bit. But then you've got the port issues where yeah. nothing's coming into the port. You've got the container issues where there are no containers available. It's ridiculous how many ships are just sitting yeah, off the coast right I mean, now. That if you just think about the money that's just being spent, there. I mean. Fuel costs, labor costs, no, no, no new, <laughs> no, no new transfer of goods. I mean, it, it, yeah. it just phenomenal how much money is being lost. Do you think that? Now I know guys like you and I get this, and probably most of our audience probably gets this because our our show targets high performers. But do you and think Peterson. that? And, and Peterson, <laughs> and, sorry, James. Do, <laughs> do you think that? A large majority of people in this country don't really have a clue how bad supply chains are right now. I think that one thing that may have been eye-opening to them is the fact that they couldn't get toilet paper when the pandemic hit. Yeah. I think that that and sort of the supply chain issues that hit at the beginning of the pandemic yeah. have probably opened people's eyes. I mean, construction materials, things like that, that's sort of transparent to folks. But when you can't wipe your hind end yeah. because you can't get toilet paper, and I, I, I tried to PG that up a little yeah. bit for you. But when if you can't get toilet paper, if you can't get bread, if you can't get certain staples, I think that that's opened people's eyes to su- supply chain a little bit more than, I mean, it used to be, hey, I need something. I'll go to Walmart. I'll go yeah. to Tom Thumb. I'll go pick it up and I'll be home in 10 minutes. When when the things weren't available on the shelves, I think that that has helped helped me, probably helped you in the real estate market communicate. The supply chain is is screwed up. The supply chain is, is and I don't care who's to, who, who's president. N- nobody gets to wave a magic wand and correct it. No, right? no. I mean it's 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 an over reliance on things coming in from out of the country, partially. Well, just in time inventory has yeah. been done for so long that. What do you do when just in time isn't enough? Yeah, and and I and I'm a big believer in in lean practices and 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 how just in time is is great until it isn't. Right. And I mean and and just in time is awesome on a on a construction site because it helps you maintain a clean construction site. It helps you maintain efficiencies on the construction site because you're not moving stuff all over the place. Yeah. But if you're if you're waiting to order material, and, and again, this this happened to me on another project. Is uh, 
we we had we had the floors ordered. We had the floors coming in, and I was like, okay, I'm going to wait and order the trim, so the shoe mold, which is the little piece that goes at the bottom of the baseboard that covers the gap at the edge. I said, I'll order that the week of, and then I'll go get it. Well, between the time that I landed the job and then went to go get the trim, my cost increased by 120%. So fortunately, it's a it's a, a cheaper item, but looking at it, if, if I'd done that with the floors, which are the the most expensive part of a flooring project other than the labor. But if I'd waited to order the floors and had it go up 120%. Uh, You'd have been upside down on the oh, deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and so this, this gives me a good segue is, so as you know, I mean, we're buying quite a bit real estate in our fund, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, we're moving on along and, and I knew one of the houses was going to be a total remodel, right? Right, and then we also knew one was going to be a scrape where you right. know, we were going to build ground up on. But it was really interesting because when Laura and I were over there, here's here's the thing: is it's actually a rare occasion that I've ever walked through the doors of anything that I'm buying. I mean, I'm buying on an average right now of two assets a week. If you average yeah. it out, I mean, we're 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 scaling quick, right? And I can't be in all these places, right? right? I mean, my, my job is to scale the business. Mm-hmm. Kaz's job is to do all the maintenance and coordination of that. Mm-hmm. And Peterson's job is to put some people in them, right. right? But we just happened to be in town and because uh, we bought several houses on the same street, mm-hmm. right? And when we were over there, we, you had already come and done the measurements and we we're getting ready to do right. it. And as we were there, and I can't remember why Laura and I had gone over there but she was looking at the carpet. She goes, I want – she was like, hey, cut that carpet up. Because you know, we knew we were pulling carpet out right. because that carpet was bad, right? And she cut – and she was like, this thing's got the original hardwood floors under it. And then that's when I pinged you and said, hey, not just, you know, creating floors do you refurbish floors. And you're like, bet your rear end we do, oh, yeah. right? And so this project went from one thing – to another that when I did go back after, because I wanted to see the hardwood, because I'm a, oh, man, I'm a hooker for hardwood floors. Oh, yeah. Okay? They're, they're, I love they're hardwood. Yeah. They're, when they're done right, they're they're amazing. I mean, I got hardwoods in my house in Colorado, which is also really funny because it's got that radiant flooring. Yep. Because I was like, where's your HVAC? And they're like, well, there is none. You, you, and I was Lie like, down well, on the floor. What do you do when yeah. you get hot? They're like, you open a window. And I was like, well, how do you heat it? And they're like, well, it's all in floor. But anyhow, I wanted to go back and see these, and man, you killed it. Yeah. I mean, I walked – Laura and I went back over there, and she was like, holy cow. And my, you know, my investor partner was like, holy cow. This is amazing. Well, if he has hardwoods, have him give me a call. I'll come refinish Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's an easy sell right there. I mean, no, like I mentioned earlier, um, before we started recording, I – I have found good partners. Yeah, I've been been. How, how did you do that? I'd love to say it was brilliance on my part. Part of it's just dumb luck and continuing to call. So, yeah. I mean, we we had we had some some hiccups uh, trying to find the right partners. But we had to reinstall a couple floors, learned who not to hire, and then, <laughs> and, and then you know, just just through process of elimination, we we yeah. found some guys who are just outstanding. Yeah, and they're responsive. They're they're fair to I me. Believe, you know, here's the thing is you're really good at under-promising, over-delivering. 
<laughs> I had a captain who said, promise silver, deliver gold. Yeah. He, he beat that into me. Oh, yeah. And, and it was really interesting because I was like, hey, but if we do it this way, you're you like, okay. And, and I know this about construction, right? It is when you tell your general contractor, hey, I want to change what we're going to do, that's going to add time, mm-hmm. right? And Or a lot of times it's going to add money, right? Because you're like, hey, no, we can absolutely do that, but the invoice is going to change. And and you're like, yeah, I mean, this is it's different than laying down floors on top of the existing floor. But yeah, we can do it. It might take a little longer. The people that you brought, it ended up being just the same amount of time, right? Yeah, probably probably a day or two longer. But yeah, yeah they 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 got in there and they they cranked it out. Yeah, and and it was just yeah, they did an incredible job. It was incredibly efficient. Well, I appreciate and, it. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it was and it was and it was great. And but it was also. Two is uh, um, when I when I when I had asked you, I was like, "Hey, because we were also going to repaint the entire inside of the house," and I was like, "Hey, do I, you know, do I just go ahead and do this because we don't care if paint paint gets on the floor and everything else?" And you're like, "Actually, you want to paint afterwards because we're going to be in here and there's going to be sanders and everything else. Whatever you paint, yeah. dust is coming up off the floor, right?" Right. And you said, "You will still get the dust off, but that's going to add time." You know, to the project, right? Yeah. And, well, and, you know, and they're doing floors, opportunity to ding walls, opportunity to ding trim. Yeah. It's it's better if, in my opinion, painters may disagree with me, yeah. but, but I, I always like doing the paint after the floors. Well, yeah, because painters don't like it because now they got to do more prep work right. to protect they, the they nice gotta, new floors, right? right? But a good painter is going to... Gonna keep the paint on the walls yeah. for the most part, anyway. Yeah, you just have to put some some paper down to keep it from yeah keep a little bit of splatter off. Yeah. But. So so you get cooking in April, mm-hmm. and then now fast forward nine months later, how much business have you done in the first nine months? So we're we are going to be over uh, five hundred thousand dollars, almost at five hundred million. That's not close to right. Right. We're gonna be right <laughs> over five hundred thousand dollars for. Uh, Year one in in sold revenue and actually installed work will probably be right around four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow, that's pretty so, that's pretty aggressive. It is. Uh, wait till you see my next year's plan. <laughs> 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 yeah, so uh, yeah, that's one nice thing about being part of the franchise group as well as I have an ops coach who I, I work with and he helps me build my business plan and he he also helps me set realistic expectations. Right. So I I had. Uh, I had it up to 1.7 million next year. He said, "Let's let's let's slow that again. Promise silver, bit. deliver gold. Right. Let's let's ratchet this back a little bit." Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we we've dialed it back a little bit. I, I was planning on trying to hire another. So, I, Drew Pemberton is my my sales associate. He, he and he's finishing up his training sales training this week and and take take the training wheels off and just say go 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 starting next week. And he's excited. He's gonna he's gonna knock it out of the park. But uh, he's he's an Air Force vet, and then. Uh, my goal was to hire my next sales associate January, February, and and we've we've tempered those expectations a little bit. Probably going to be closer to uh, March, April. Do, do do you think it's a little bit of the maybe slowing is because of the supply chain disruptions of like man, I don't know that we can get enough materials to do enough houses. I think it's that, and I think part of it is sort of taking a look at lead generation and seeing what's out there. I mean, November and December are typically pretty slow for what we do. I've actually had a pretty fast start to December. A lot of that's referral-based. Some of it's 
Home Advisor and lead generation through online searches. We do quite a bit of that. I'd like to get away from that because that's expensive. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, as we start to generate leads, and and I think I think the thoughtful part when I was told to dial back that expectation was, you know, we don't necessarily have enough leads coming in for us to do the number of appointments or leads that we want to do per week per person. So I, I would like to do where I do eight appointments and Drew does eight appointments per week because that gives us enough lead flow to really try and build our revenue. But if we're still, if we're having a hard time doing that with referrals and home advisor, bringing on somebody else is just going to dilute that and cost more money from a, from a staffing perspective where now I'm, I have two sales associates and I don't have enough leads to feed them to meet the eight per week. So until we're turning away, so we do what's, we measure what's called slippage where we see how many requests we have for appointments that we can't service. Yeah. And so, so we keep a close eye on that. What's your conversion rate right about now from an appointment uh, to a... I'm, I'm right around a 35%, 35 to 40% close rate right okay. now. What, so, what, would you, what would you say is the contributing factor to that? Uh, referrals I land a lot more of. Yeah. Um, Warm leads are always going to go oh, yeah. further than and, cold leads. And, and the home advisor is yeah. probably, I'm probably landing 25% of the home advisor leads. Okay. And and again, it's all about going in. One, I mean, I'm never going to, I won't say never. Odds are I'm not going to be the lowest bid or proposal that somebody gets. Yeah. Because we we want to provide the level of service that isn't a low bid level of service. Let's break that down because I don't think enough people in sales or people that are business owners understand that early enough on. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, when people go, oh, you could do more business if you cut your commission. And I'm like, no. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to work twice as hard for half the money. Right. Right. And I'm not going to do that to my team. And how many people that all have, you know, that are in the real estate industry going, oh, well, you know, if you did this, and I'm like, well, I'm just curious, what is your volume of business you're doing? Yeah. And 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 by the way, commission cutting. And then they tell me that, they tell me how much business they, they've done in volume. And I'm like, I do that in four weeks and I don't cut my commission because we offer, I'm not looking to be the cheapest. Right. I'm looking for people that want a trusted advisor to come in. So they're paying for trust. And value. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. People tie value to a dollar sign and they got it all wrong. I, I, I'm, I'm going to do something taboo and break into my... I read this on LinkedIn and I, I made sure to cut and paste it yeah. yesterday. It was very timely for this and and we can edit out my searching aspect. No, you're good, you're good. But people they get so confused with tying a dollar sign to what value is. And I know this cuz I was down in Mexico and I got I got sideswiped down there and stuck with someone trying to pitch something to me and and I said, "Look, man, I don't I don't care how good the deal is." I said, "I don't see the value in this." Yeah. And he goes, "Yeah, but it's cheaper in the discount." I was like, Hey, man, I, I don't care about cheap and discounts. I said, my value perspective of things is I'll be willing to overpay for something yeah. if I feel like the value being offered is there. But people equate value with a discount, and it's not. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 
the concept of value has, like you said, become it's become a commodity based yeah. approach to to buying. Yeah, and I don't want to sell a commodity. And here's the thing too: once you commoditize yourself, yeah. Then you're, 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 you're stuck. Hey, yeah. you're, 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 it's kind of like, you know, being a guy in Dayton, right? When you've been friend zoned, yeah. you ain't getting out of friend zone. No, it, not it, at all. You know, does it happen? Yeah, there's one offs, but when you're friend zoned, you're stuck in a friend zone when you've commoditized yourself. Well, and, and there's a difference. So we've had a couple of customers who just have said, Clark, I can't afford that much. Yeah. And I'll look at it from, from, uh, every, every opportunity is unique. Yeah. And, and, Every opportunity is an opportunity to provide value for different people in different ways. Yeah. And if there's somebody who can't afford my full services because they're on a budget, but they, they like what I'm telling them I can do, then we'll work with them to say, okay, well, you know, the furniture move is a part of this. If, yeah. you, if you want to move your own furniture, we can save you yeah. and just and go through that. And it's to, at that point, you're not really commoditizing yourself. You're just helping them understand the value proposition, right? And and that that's important. Yeah. So yeah. What was your post? Did you find it? So yeah, I found it. Yeah. It's, uh, Let's say there. It's it's a little bit long, but it, so it says it, this is a dialogue, and it's customer. How much will it cost to do this? Contractor twenty eight hundred dollars. Customer, that's way too expensive for this job. And the contractor, how much do you think it would cost? No more than eight hundred dollars max. It's a simple job. And the contractor says, I can't prioritize prioritize my time. For so little, which is something that's hard for people to understand. And then customer, people in your line of work are so greedy. Sorry you feel that way. Why not do it yourself? But I don't know how to do any of this. He said, for $900, I'll teach you. He said, okay, that sounds great. He said, um, to get started, you'll need tools. The customer says, but I don't have any of the equipment. He said, okay, I'll rent the equipment to you. And it, and it just goes through that whole process. Yeah. And then at the end, the customer says, you know, I've been thinking it's probably best if you get this job done. I'd rather pay someone to get it done correctly than go through all the hassle. Yeah. So people don't understand that there there's training involved. There's yeah. liability, risk. I mean, it's all these different things that, that go into doing a job and people just view it, again, commodity. So helping people understand that, yes, going and buying the floor, you're buying a commodity. Yeah. But the service of putting in the floor, making sure it's done correctly, making sure everything underneath it is done correctly. That's that's where you're deviating from the commodity-based buying opportunity. Oh, yeah. And, and like even with our, you know, so our, our, our assets we acquire are targeted areas for universities for off-campus student housing, mm-hmm. right? And that's the thing too is don't be a master at all trades. Be a master at one, right? right? Be a superpower at what you do instead of a hack at multiple things, right? And uh, and so like when um, uh, I had Kaz and James over Friday last week is I had built out an equation sheet, much like a whack mm-hmm. going through finance, right? Yep. And I said, and I even built a ratio range. If the ratio is within the top three grids here, your chances are higher of not only getting them to sign the lease, but that's who we want. Yep. And we don't want anybody in the red zone down here. And I said, we can identify them because if market rents for the area are eight fifty dollars a head, right? And let's say it's a, um, a, a three-person property, so math for Marines, what is it? $25.50, right? right? Is... 
then because our average our average tenant pays over a thousand a head. Wow. Yeah, and and then people just and like even other because I buy a lot of properties off of other landlords and owners and stuff like that. They're like, how do you do that? And I said, because people are 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 they're they're not well. It also helps because. Well, the parents write the check, not the yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I will have parents that will call me and go, well, you know, why is it so much more? And I said, because of what your kid's getting, right? And I said, so, you know, because I'm not only an owner-landlord, I'm a parent of a sophomore in college. I go yeah. through this same thing is, here's the thing, is, one, are you aware of what the other leases look like? Right. And chances are they hadn't seen any other leases. Right. And I said, I'll send you a copy Yep. Because when I buy these houses, like a lot of times they have tenants in them. And I'm sitting there looking because I get the leases because the leases convey. And I'm sitting there reading that going, there's no way I'd let my kid sign this no. thing. No way in hell. So when I have a parent go, well, you know, your lease, blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey, look, I want you to have clarity. I want you to be comfortable signing it. I even have it, right? Because I, I don't use a standardized lease. I had lawyers write it out. And it even says in big, bold, one almost one-inch letters, yep. make sure you read this entire thing before signing, yep. right? Uh, because I don't, I, I'm not in the gaming system, right? Yeah. I'm not here to sucker you into this, right. you know, pressure sign now, switch, yeah. right? And I always tell them, say, I want you to read through the lease. If your parents, you know, maybe send it to them. Now that doesn't mean we're going to take two weeks to sign this thing, yeah. you know, we're, you know, cause I got people fighting over getting into my properties, yeah. you know? And so anyhow, I go, this is my lease versus other leases. And that usually the, the, the parents are just, oh, wow, I had no idea. And I said, oh, yeah. And I said, by the way, read these other leases. Yeah. Is, and, and I was like, because we provide the appliances. And they go, well, the other ones do too. And I said, but read what they're said. If this appliance stops working. You're buying a new one. Yeah. It's on you. And if it's not tenant caused, it's on you. I said, if it's tenant caused, we're going to charge it. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, hey, turns out bottle caps don't go down to garbage disposal, throws up the, you know, got yeah. a new garbage disposal. Right. And so if it's tenant cause, naturally we're going to charge them back. But if it's not because it's wear and tear, I'm not going to charge the tenants that. And they're yeah. like, okay. And I said, we also come in each month and check and or change air filters. And uh, they're like, oh, well, you know, my, my, my kid could do that on their own. I said, let me show you kids or, or, or I said, these tenants are focused on going to class and partying, right? Or partying. Yeah, partying. And, and I said, let me just show you photos of houses that, because, in, you know, in the beginning when I first bought it, I was like, yeah, that's what the standard is. Of what the air filter looks like a year after they move out. I don't know. I it is disintegrated. I can bring up photos. Yeah. Like, it's disintegrated. They've never changed the air filter. And I said, and what that and means. And their lease says, if this goes down, right, you're replacing the You're HVAC replacing system. it. So if I'm in there checking out the air, you know, looking at the system. And uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, like everything, you know, we, I'm not saying somebody has to be a vet to to work with us. But it's no surprise that it's. A lot of vets, you know, and a lot of guys from the community, right? So, like, I, I like, was gonna say, let, let's narrow that down. A yeah, lot of Marines, a lot of Marines, <laughs> and not only that, but a lot of recon Marines, right? You know, like our HVAC uh, uh, guy was, uh, uh, he was in first force recon with, okay. with CAS. And so we get in there and we check the air filters, we change it. And I said, because I can tell you, you know, when I'm sitting here talking to the parent, if this system goes down, 
it's not going to go down when it's 80 degrees outside and the windows are open, nice little breeze with slight overcast. It's going to go down in the middle of we're a mile from the sun and 110% of swamp ass humidity. Oh, yeah. And by the way, because not only do we have supply chain disruptions, we have labor disruptions where it may take... It may take it may take you a week or two oh, to yeah. get that HVAC fixed, right? Yeah, and, and, and then even if they can get there, they might not have the parts yeah, to it. So you got right? one week because of labor, you got right. two weeks because of a part. Yeah, and I said, so it may be a month, right? And and, and by the way, those other leases said, huh? and I said, but I've got the guy, and if, the chances are pretty. So look, look, there are things going to happen that we don't know and we can't predict absolutely. But we reduce the risk of that happening because we're in there checking the air filters. And I said, plus, we're living in a post-pandemic world where do you really want to rely on a bunch of kids in college to ensure they got clean air in their house? No. And I said, so that's something we do. And then they're like, okay, okay. And I said, and other landlords, like now we sign it into our leases, all new leases. So we have a few houses left that... They still are supposed to take care of their pest control. It's like, hey, by the way, were you aware of all these other leases say you're supposed to do pest control? Yeah. Kids ain't going to do the pest control. And, and if you yeah. haven't and yeah. we find termites, yeah. guess what? Guess what? Now yeah. that is your problem, yeah. right? And, and, and so as I start going through this, and I said, but more importantly is our speed of response. Because and I even tell the parents, I, I categorize my entire world by have to, need to, want to. Have to is we stop what we're doing to go address that because there are certain things that require that. Need to is I don't stop what I'm doing to go do that, but as soon as I'm finished, I'm going to go do this. And then want to is, well, we're going to get to it because it's not a high urgency item that needs to be done. Go life safety on down. Right, right. And, And so I said, so what that allows us to do is that allows us to go and get all this. If if your student gets in there and says, this is the issue, they get a response of when we're going to go take care of that. Yeah. Right? And I said, and I can tell you, parent, that when I buy houses that have, you know, that the tenants have been dealing with the existing owner-landlord, they tell us historically, they tell us, they're like, you do more than five minutes than the last person did in five minutes, five oh, yeah. months, they, right? They just look for the mailbox. Money. Yeah, that's a it. Lot of case, yeah. In a lot of cases, yeah. And then I go, then, right? And so you, you, usually by now they're like, okay, now I see why. And I said, yeah, so now what we do when we make an acquisition on a property, when those tenants move out, or if it doesn't have tenants during the acquisition, like the one we're making today, is we do all the utilities. And I'm just going to bill you. Yeah. For the utilities, and you pay a twenty-five dollar convenience fee yeah. to get the bill, right? And 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 and, and I go because guess what? As it turns out, some of these kids learn after six months they don't want to live with each other, and so if they're interchanging a roommate, but that one had gas, and this one had water, and this one did utility er, yeah. power, and this one did internet, then they got to go through all that, and there's there's a lot of stress for them. Is now they just get a bill, and I said, by the way, not only that, but I've got an app that you pay your rent on, and that's where I bill you on. So you don't even have to worry about checks and collecting from whoever. If you're going to divide it amongst four, they all just four go in there and they make their payment. Well, if you, and if, yeah. you, if you've got the utilities in different names and there's a service yeah. disruption and one guy's back home in California. And- yeah, yeah. And here's the thing is 
most of the time, your kid's not going to pay attention to the emails that go, hey, your water usage is really, really high than it normally is. They just wait till they get the big fat bill and yeah. they're like, oh my God, what's wrong? They're like, yeah, it's called, you got a leak somewhere. Yeah. Whereas we have someone monitoring that to go, oh, that's not a, that, something's going on. Now, even if they missed the, the email by a day, would you rather miss a leak or running toilet that's causing your water bill to go up by a day or miss it by a month whenever you get the bill? And actually it's going to be longer than a month, right? And, yeah, because it's going to be back, gonna, yeah. Right? And I said, so you've got that. And I said, also, because I have these corporate accounts, I get better rates. And because I get a better rate, your kid, the utilities you're paying for are actually lower. Now, that, you know, I mean, it ain't, it ain't a big, big lower, but it's a bit lower. Yeah. I said, I can tell you this, that $25 convenience fee, at it's least covered. that would yeah. be the covered, right? Yeah. And generally it's more than that. And I said, oh. And because we do the internet and I get faster internet because it's corporate count, right? And, and I get it at a better oh, cost. So you do business internet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, and because I do that, it also helps because one of the things we do with assets is we add ring floodlight security perimeter cameras, nice. which need an internet connection, right? So if somebody forgets to pay the bill, and you're like, oh, and that's also when somebody broke into the house, you don't have that problem because we're making sure it's on auto payment comes out. So by the time I go through all of this, right, the parents are, and even the kids are like, I, I, I had no idea. And I said, so really, after you get done adding all that, are they really paying more to be in our property? No, they're probably paying the same amount they will for everybody else's except they're getting better. And I'm not here to be in the convincing business. If your kid can only afford six fifty a head, Here's right? Names yeah. Some other guys. yeah, yeah. Hey, guess what? Yeah. There's a lot of properties out there that will take that. Yeah. But they're not going to get the same experience. And uh and, and and like I said, is when we have kids come over to our properties, like this last, you know, this last season, uh, getting on these leases. Kids were fighting over to get in our properties. Well, that, that kid that you had, and I don't know, is he still yeah. interning with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that, yeah, just having him talk about. <laughs> yeah, he's like, man, I'm not only their intern, I'm one of the tenants. And he's got the biggest party house. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. Uh, so there's that shell station right here, mm -hmm. and he's right halfway down there. Yeah, and they yeah. got the party backyard. And you can uh, walk over and get beer at the beer oh, store. Oh, oh yeah. man. And, and, and he, 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 he tells me all the time, he goes, yeah, when I'm sitting here talking to my friends that live in other houses, they hate it. They hate it. They, they were just like, man, we just don't get the level of service. So that value gets demonstrated of we're, we're going to do everything within our power to make sure your kid's being taken care of better than someone else's. And I can tell you as a parent who's got a kid in college, I have more comfort in that than I really worry about what the monthly bill is going to oh, be. Oh, yeah. You know? That's how you define value for someone where then they're like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, but look, I get it. If you're, if you're not willing to pay any more, there are other houses out there, right? You're looking for the discount. Well, yeah. there's discount houses. Go, yeah. go, go get a discount house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there's solutions for everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now you're going into 2022. Yep. Things are looking good. Things are looking promising for you, right? I mean – now let's depends on the day. Yes, right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a few of those things before we okay. wind down this show. Is what are some of the things you've learned by being a business owner? Painful lessons, painful things. Which I mean, we we don't need to list them all because it's probably an encyclopedia full. Yeah, that you were like, I had no idea. <laughs> like, like oh, um, so one one thing 
I mean, and we've we've talked about this in the past, but yeah, cash burn and just just burning through uh, managing expenses, managing how quickly those expenses hit, and and that kind of thing, and, and really just trying to stay ahead of it because it's amazing how quickly you can burn through cash if you're if you're not paying attention. And yeah. and I mean, we're still we're still in the learning process there, trying to make sure our expenses are X. And then not not remembering on our p and l so it's interesting we do an accrual based uh, accounting system so talk talk about that for the audience that didn't so accrual based versus cash based so if I get paid so when, whenever we do a job, we take half the payment up front that allows us to go get materials and get geared up for the job um, but I don't recognize that cash on my p and l until the job is performed so when I land a job so say Let's take my parents' house, for example. So I landed the job in, uh, let's say, March. Okay. We installed the job in August. Well, I got cash in March, but that cash doesn't hit my P&L until August. Mm-hmm. So, well, I've spent that cash by then. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably several times over. Yeah. Um, so really just managing that Yeah. and and making sure that we are – I mean, it almost makes me want to keep two sets of books, a cash-based set of books, because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do bank account cash management because that's Mm-mm. scary. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, just trying to trying to make sure cash is on hand for payments and all payroll, those kinds of things. And and we're getting better. It's, it's sort of scary. You get excited. About, oh, I only lost X amount of dollars this month. <laughs> <laughs> But we're we're starting to get beyond that. We've had two two profitable months, which is which is nice. Yeah. But uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, and many more of those to come in the next year. There's probably something else that uh, people didn't tell tell you as a business owner is, hey, you, you're going to be really fortunate if you're at all profitable in your first year. Yep. Right. And then some people save in first two. First two. You know, it's like when we built Stacks Property Services, CAS, and so in our first 90 days, we were $62,000 profit. That's awesome. I mean, and and it was funny. So I was, prior to having the dinner this last Monday with uh, James and CAS and our wives, because everybody's business partners in this, is uh, a few nights earlier I'd had uh, dinner with another good friend of mine that's been on the show, uh, Chris Jamison, has the landscaping pool building company. Okay. And we were having dinner, and I was telling him, I was like, yeah, man, I was 62K uh, positive in the first 90 days. And he just goes, that just doesn't happen. No. And I was like, yeah, I know, because I've done this business. that I've lost yeah. a lot of money before, right? I've closed businesses that I started because I thought I knew and oh, then no. I and I quickly found out that I did not know what I needed to know. Where I was like, "This is how this works. This is why we do this." And and so I was able to tell Kaz, "Look, all you got to do is go fast." Here's why. And I said, and "By the way, if we're," and I said, "You don't know because he's never owned a business before." I said, "Yeah, this does not happen." Matter of fact, if you go to an entrepreneur summit, you walk in there and go, <laughs> "My first business." I was $62,000 profitable in the first 90 days. They may kick you out of the room. They will kick you out of the room. They're going to go, you don't even know how, how, how that does not happen. Like you got lucky. No, just happens to be partnered up with someone that has well, done yeah, this I mean, multiple times yeah. to go, this is how we do this. This is what's here. And, you know, like he was really wanting to dive into the accounting in the beginning. I said, we don't have time for that. Yeah. Right. And I said, trust me, 
I want to hand this accounting shit off to you as fast as I possibly can because it's a pain in my ass. Yeah. But I said, that's not the highest and best use of your time right now. I need you executing. Right. So we've got the cash coming in, and then we are able to to look at the clients and go, this is this is this do, is what do you, got. you do. You do it a percentage basis. Is that how you uh, percentage basis for, for it? so when stacks bills? Is it is it? It's uh, it's all different for different things. Okay, right, and because we because I told them the other thing that we created was multiple revenue streams. Right, we're not just here with one. Now we do one thing. Right, we we are a, a a property services company, not a property management company. Okay, right, and but those services have everything from we we send you a bill for your 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 utilities. If you want this thing furnished, you know, Jess, Kaz's wife, will come in, meet with you, and then we'll come up with an arranged price where you can rent the furnishings during your time there. And we'll even have it ready turnkey whenever you walk through the door. We're there to naturally respond to the needs of things that break and go wrong. We're there to, you know, check the air filters each month and so forth. We're also there when somebody's looking to buy a house and needs some maintenance stuff, painting, whatever done, Right. Right. Non-licensed trade stuff. Right. Right. That is a whole litany. And, and by the way, and this is why I told him, I said, I know this thing's going to make a lot of money because, one, the labor shortages are so incredible. Going back to that example, it's like, I don't know how to do that or I don't have the tools to do that or I don't have the time to do that or the want and desire and I can't find anybody else to go do that. Yeah. Right. So we're able to come in like a concierge service and provide all that. And here's the thing is there was a I, – I knew because I was living in it myself, yeah. having, you know, making acquisitions and everything else and having clients that when they got ready to sell their house, they needed things done to make right. – to, to get a higher demand, right? Yeah. And, and I said, so I know that there is a void in this place that if we can fill that void, we're going to make money. Now, it's not going to be sexy, yeah. right? Like, but then again, look at the, look at the porta potties right? People go, man, who wants that job? I'm sure that guy's living in money. Oh, yeah. But it's not sexy. Things that are profitable are not always sexy. I have a right? friend who's extremely successful uh, in the barricade business. Yeah. 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 Find a niche market and do it well. Do do it well. Hell, you don't even have to be the best. You just suck less than everybody else, yeah. right? And, yeah. and and then you constantly improve. Sh- yeah. Showing up. Is a hell of a start. <laughs> Answer your phone. Yeah. Novel idea. Yeah. You know, like like uh, we were we had a, a foundation issue on one of our houses uh, that we needed to get addressed, and Cass was like, "It took me six weeks, and people just not showing up, right? Like they're going to get paid to show up and do yeah. the work, and it took them six weeks to find somebody to get in there to do the job." Because they wouldn't even show up or they wouldn't answer their phone. And I'm like, man, that is a reality right now. It's not just supply chain shortages, labor shortages. And by the way, the labor shortage thing was already becoming a big issue prior to that COVID-19 pandemic. That COVID-19 just accelerated it, right? To have people that can do a trade. And now, you know, I said, we're we're able to do that. And I said, and that's going to, that's, that's filling that void. I said, I just didn't throw shit against the wall and hope it was going to stick with this thing. There was a lot of thought, a yeah. lot of, you know, and even Kansas told me, you know, when I called him in, in August and I said, hey, I was like, I need, I, I need a recon ring because I know the kind of trust level that comes with it. If I give you something to do it, you, you operate with done. autonomy, you're yeah. going to make that happen. And I don't have time to sit there and wonder if somebody can or can't make this happen. And I said, and you're, you're going to go so fast with, and you're going to operate in a lot of ambiguity 
funny because guess what spec ops guys do? Yeah. They operate in austere ambiguity and everything else. They comfortable living without you. There's a reason he was picked, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and it was kind of funny. Actually, I had him and another recovering, and the other one changed his mind and said, man, I, I, I've got too many things going on. Yeah. And I know that right about now, you know, if Chris is listening to this, he's sitting there going, you had how much money in the first 90 days? <laughs> he was like, that's more than I even need to make in a year, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, look, we've got this, man. It's right there. We're, we're going to fill the void and we're going to get better. Because I told him, I said, I need you swinging a hammer for the first six months because I need you to understand the business. Yeah. And then from six months to 12 months, I need you acquiring talent that will be swinging the hammers and you're only swinging one if you're bored. At year one, at the year mark, you should at that point be scaling the business. And by year two, you should be working yourself out of the business that by year three, you own the company from your island, Yeah, right? You don't do it because all too many – and so you, you learned in the, your MBA and especially in business is you have storming, forming, norming, performing. Most people that build a business – well, they they don't even make it past the the storming. You're in survival, right? right? And then the forming, which is putting in your processes, how we're going to do this better. The ones that do make it, right? So you out of let's say you had a, a the eighty twenty rule, right? Right. So you got eighty that didn't make it to the forming stage, and then out of that twenty percent make it to the norming stage. So now four out of twenty make it to the norming, right? And that's when people that own a business live comfortable. They right. live comfortable because it's norming, but they're in the business, right? Yeah. But they're making good living and they don't have to work for anybody else and all of that. But out of that four that make it to norming, only 20% will make it to performing, mm -hmm. which means your business can operate without you in it. As a matter right. of fact, you're probably the problem. Stay away from it. Let the, the talent that you hire do it, yeah. right? And by the way, what your multiple is to sell a business which the majority of them are in norming when you're not in it because anybody can buy it, yeah. you know, because when you're in, in norming, right. And you haven't gone to performing, they have to buy you because you are the business. Right. And it means, means that there's a lot of risk. People don't want, like, right, what do I do if you decide not to do this? Or, yeah. or a lot of times you'll see negotiate, Hey, we're going to buy the business, but we need you to stay in it. X, Y, Z to train the next person that when you're performing, yeah, you, you can sell it to anybody. You go from two to three X, even down to five to seven. Yeah. And, and, and so, so I told Kaz, I said, we're performing by year three, which means we can sell the business at any point Yeah, because somebody can take it. They can franchise it. They can grow it. Maybe we franchise it. Who yeah. knows? I mean, sky's the limit. But I said, but you need to have an exit strategy because you don't build a business that you can't put the skins on the wall, right? You, I mean, you, you take the win and you, you sell it. And then if you're bored, just go do another one because now you've done what only one out of a hundred did, which is get it to that performing stage. Yep. Right. And I was like, and look, we're not young chickens. You know, you get enough big, you know, payday out of that. It's yeah. You you you, you sell on be, down the you river. Can be your neighbor in Colorado. Right. Hell yeah. No, because then I would drink way too much. I, would drink, <laughs> I already drink enough as it is. I don't need Cas being there or else it would be a total shit show all the time. Yeah. So. All right, so I like to end all these of going back to 20-year-old self. And I yeah. know that we tell ourselves a million things, but if you knew 20-year-old self would listen to just one thing, what you would do or not do, what would you tell 20-year-old Clark Sykes? Um, oh, 
variety of different things. Um, but so military, military side, may, maybe stick it out a little bit longer, get to retirement. That could have been fun. Uh, but uh, really, probably don't don't hesitate. Yeah. So I hesitated. I thought about starting a business for years, and I hesitated because I didn't think I had the knowledge. What I realized going through the MBA program is I still don't have the knowledge. You have to do it to have the knowledge. Yeah. So just do it. Yeah. Don't don't wait. There's never an ideal time. It's like when you have kids. Yeah. There's never a perfect time to have kids. There's never yeah. a perfect time to start a business. Mm-mm. Just just not a perfect time to start an MBA. Just just do it. Yeah. And and you know what? You may fail. Yeah. Don't be afraid to fail. I mean, you learn a lot by failing. Now, I, there's only so many so many times I want to learn the lessons, but <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just go out, just go out there and and take the risk. Yeah. And 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 fortunately, I have support at home. My wife is supportive, maybe reluctantly at times, but she has been. She told me she said, "I know if you don't do this, you're going to regret it." So, you've talked about it for Scratch years. Scratch that itch. Let's let's just do it. Let's see how it is and. And I know it's been stressful on her, and I know it hasn't always been rosy from a family perspective because, yeah, it takes a lot of time. But she's let me do it. She's been supportive. She understands that there is risk involved, but that we'll make it through it. Yeah. I mean, having a business fail does not mean you're a failure. Mm-mm. Having a business fail means that you've learned lessons and you can go out and do it again and succeed the next time. I I I really think Webster's dictionary should say the definition of experience is how much stuff you screwed up to learn not oh, yeah. to do that again, right? Oh yeah, you know, or to do it different, right? Yeah, yeah. Learn the lessons. Learn, yeah. learn. Uh, but but don't repeat them. I mean, if yeah. if, you, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, then yeah, you haven't learned anything. You're just an idiot, right? But- <laughs> There's a lot of idiots out there, by the way. Yeah, there are, are a lot of idiots. And I'm just trying hard not to count myself among them. <laughs> so people, you know, they, they, you know, wherever they are and they're like, hey, I want to know more about floors in my house. How do they find you? So, uh, again, uh, I'm Floor Coverings International of Southwest Fort Worth. Um, my, my territory really is Lake Arlington, south into Kennedale and out to uh, Alito. Uh, I can go anywhere for commercials and anywhere for referrals, but we do have a strong group of franchisees in the DFW area. Uh, you can reach me at my office, um, 682-250-6944 for those of you who still use phones or <laughs> or uh, just just Google uh, Floor Coverings International of Southwest Fort Worth will pop up. Uh, we're happy to serve you and, and, you know, quite frankly, if it's a job up in Frisco or Plano or something like that, that's pretty far out of my territory i can i can point you in the right direction because i'm again we formed a co-op in this area and we're we're a team so we're all growing value together which yeah. is which is exciting to me well thanks for coming on the show yeah, big Jeremy. boy i appreciate your time <laughs>